This podcast is a presentation of Gateway Fellowship, Paulsville, Washington. Experience community, find hope. Check us out at gatewayfellowship.com. Well, some time ago, we set aside these two Sundays. Um, we call them stories of God's grace, stories of, of God's grace. And the, the setting is this. We're going to kind of sit around, maybe kind of a coffee table, and maybe you're doing that at home right now. And, but that's kind of the setting where we just hear about God's grace in the lives of people that you know. Um, some of our volunteer team members who serve out in the lobby, so you've walked by them, and I'll introduce them to you in just a moment. But I was reading again in, this morning, John chapter 1, verse number 16, and it's actually a passage that I have meditated on a lot, and I've journaled on it and so on. One particular phrase, for from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. Grace upon grace. And when you dive a little bit deeper into that, it's just the, the picture that you get is waves of grace. It's like you're on the beach and the waves keep coming in. That's the picture of God. God's grace upon grace enveloping us and leading us and guiding us and giving us power. So we're going to hear this morning um, about God's grace in the lives of some people. And uh, Darcy and, and Barry Albee, uh, would you guys join us? Would you give them a hand as they come up this morning? They're, they're our first, first story. <clears throat> the Albees, they serve on our volunteer hospitality team, so you see them greeting in the lobby. And they're usually at the 9 o'clock gathering, right? And uh, it just depends if you wait, when you wake up, right? And, but they're always on the front row. So if you're wondering, who are the weird people on the front row? Oh, no, I don't mean it that way. I mean, who would sit on the front row? It's all these, right? So <clears throat> there they are right there. And I, I, I don't even want to tell you what will happen if you, if you try to sit in their seats right there. So just kidding about that because you're nice people. So yeah. anyway, so Darcy and, and Barry, so glad to have you. And thanks, thanks for um, like sharing a little bit of your story today of God's, God's grace in, in your life. He's done a lot for you. Yes. And he's working through you in amazing ways, even, even right now. But let's, so let's, 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 start, let's start with um, your growing up years. So your home. And so what was that like? Yeah, I got to use that microphone. Gotta, there you go. Yeah. So what, what was growing up like for you? So I didn't grow up in a Christian home. Uh, things at home throughout my entire childhood were very chaotic. It was a lot of yelling and screaming and fighting between my parents, uh, emotional abuse from my dad, alcohol, um, and just like complete chaos. Um, I was pretty unhappy growing up as a child. I remember sitting on my bed thinking I hate life multiple times and crying. Um, things never got better as I grew up. Uh, it was pretty much the same way all the way through. My dad was pretty much abusive to everybody in the family, and my mom couldn't really be there because she was trying to survive herself and going through a lot. As I got a little older and became a teenager, I started drinking and using drugs, and I remember that was the first time I was able to not feel, and I loved it for that reason. Like, I didn't have to feel what was going on at home, and I could escape from it all. So things just continued through my teenage years, and I ran away a few times, ended up back at home, and kept using, and ended up leaving a week before my 18th birthday. 
and left home. And of course, faith was not a part of the home. No, yeah. we had um, children's Bibles as a kid, and my mom read us stories and kind of, well, she didn't really talk about the stories. I guess she read them, and that's what they were to me, was stories. Mm. I had my favorites, but I didn't think it was anything that was real. It was just fun stories. So you grew up in a home that, that was, well, chaotic. That's what you mentioned. And um, your dad was emotionally abusive, and so you started drinking at an early age, and alcohol was just part of the home, right? Alcohol was a huge part of our home. Okay. And, yeah, I started at a young age, too. Yeah, yeah, so... And um, so left home before your 18th birthday. Then what, what transpired after that? What took place? So when I, well, three years later is when we met. Okay. And... Um, and that solved all your problems. <laughs> when you met Barry, right? Thank yeah. Thank yeah. No, actually, the first time I said three years later we met was the other day when I was talking about this. Um, yeah. And, like, thinking about it, I mean, we were not at all ready to raise a family or to be married or, you know, we had no foundation. I didn't know the Lord, didn't have anything to base my life and my family on, you know. And, um, yeah, it just, I mean, we had some fun times when we met, but a lot of it was still focused around alcohol and drinking and going out to bars after we met. And... Things went really fast. We were married and pregnant within four months and had our kids. Um, eventually, we started fighting more and more, and things financially were always a struggle and other areas of life. So we were just really struggling together now with kids. So it added on to all the stress and everything that was already there. Yeah. So, Barry, you guys got married within four months, and then... The life continued. Yeah, for about three or four years, we did all right, but alcohol was a main focus in our relationship. Um, but as things financially got tighter in the household, of course, the arguing started and it became much more chaotic. Um, yeah. I started working more, and the way I, and when she was in her addiction, I was kind of naive about it, but. I worked more hours. I worked seven days a week, 10, 12 hours a day. And I'd come home, I'd numb myself. And uh, by watching TV, I wouldn't really interact with anybody. Um, and, you know, it got to a point, you know, this is a 10-year process. It, it got to a point where I just couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't take it. I was, you know, stressed. And I actually got arrested for a DV. Uh, and uh, I think that was probably the lowest point of my life because my kids actually witnessed it. So. Okay, okay, well, so Darcy, during that time then, um, alcohol became what? So I, I, I was still drinking, but eventually I started using drugs again and found methamphetamines, which took the next 10 years of my life uh, during that time things got really bad, and I was in a really dark place. I was in chains, had no control, and we were fighting more. And now, at this point, we were doing the same things, you know, and our kids were hearing the same things that I heard at home. We were fighting and yelling and screaming and calling each other names and telling each other we hate each other. And things got really bad. Um, 
eventually I got arrested one last time. This time it was by Westnet, which is the narcotics enforcement team, and they came into our house at about four o'clock in the morning. And, you know, I was, I felt pretty broken by that time and didn't know, I, I just thought things could never get better. I didn't want to live, I didn't, my kids were the only reason I wanted to live at that point. Um, but they came in and I still remember one of the police officers, John Halstead, sat me down and said, I know you don't believe me right now, but I'm doing this for you. And that was when I, I went to jail first and then I chose a program called Drug Court, which is a very intensive treatment program, a minimum of 18 months with groups and counseling and all kinds of stuff. I was in that for 28 months. And it was also through that program, well, three months, three months into it, my counselor told me I was going to inpatient. And after crying and having a fit and saying I couldn't do it, I went. And it was there that I met a lady named Carrie Arndt who brought in a church service. She had a ministry for people with addictions and she also brought a service into the treatment center where she had a church service every Tuesday evening and Sunday morning. And I went to it while I was in there the whole time uh, until the very last one because I knew she was gonna ask me to talk at the end and I was too scared to talk in front of people at the time. So. I didn't go, but my room was right next to the room where she held the service, and I put my ear against the wall, and I listened the whole time because I wanted to be there, and I felt some hope when I was there. I didn't know what it was at the time, but I knew there was something. Yeah, so you weren't a believer yet. No, I was not. But you knew that there, were, there was something, so um, you, you were released from treatment. Right, eventually. Right. Yeah. Eventually, of course. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, when did life begin to change? I mean, what happened? So she invited us to church. Uh, and like this very next Sunday after I got out of inpatient, we went and our kids went with us, our whole family went to church at Living Word in Silverdale. And um, it was just. From the minute I walked in there, I, you know, I didn't know what I was looking for. I knew I needed something because I was very lost. But I felt some hope when we went in there and we met some great people uh, who I'm very thankful for today. Um, the pastor and his wife, Julie, um, she helped me through a lot and walked with me for the next 10 years through a lot of stuff. Um, but more importantly than that was eventually along the way, I made a decision and we, we made it together kind of, but I made a decision to follow Jesus. And since then, my life has changed, completely changed. Um, you know, it didn't happen instantly because it takes time and it takes work and it's a process. But, I found hope and wow. I found forgiveness and you know when I walked around every day feeling shame and feeling like I was just the most terrible person in the world I learned that I was forgiven God forgives me and did forgive me the second I asked for it and because of that decision our lives have changed we 
have been able to completely <laughs> change our family and our lives yeah. and like the yeah. hope I have. I have yeah. hope and I have peace. You know, I thought I could never have peace before even to be able to relax. I told my counselor when I got in drug court, I don't know how to relax. And now I can more than relax. I have peace. And, you know, even in really hard times and I have had some difficult times and some struggles and even you know, when it's those really hard times and I kind of start to go back to those thoughts of no hope, I have this little voice reminding me there always is hope. Yeah, wow. So Barry, when you guys first walked in the church that Sunday, you, you, were you a front row person? Uh, no. No. <laughs> um, well, Carrie Arndt was the one that invited yeah. our family. And uh, so when we talked about it, I'm like, yeah, we can go. And I'm thinking two, three times, we'll be done. You know, 14 years later, I'm still here. And the first time we went into the church, we started in the very back row because, you know, we're apprehensive about what is going on, what are they going to do, yeah. you know. And uh, we heard some things that just kind of made sense, you know, like unconditional love, grace, you know. God has a plan for me. And so we came back the next week. And we moved a couple rows up, and then the next week a couple rows, and that's how we end up in the front. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, it, it's, you know, I can't thank the people enough who've been in my life, but God put them there, you know. Yeah. He put them in our path to run into these people, and, and they actually, yeah. you know, made us see things we couldn't see in ourselves, so. So this pattern of your home that was centered around alcohol, I mean, it carried into your adult life, your married life, and then went deeper. Um, I know, at least you, you share with me, you're actually thankful for that police officer that arrested you. I'm very thankful for him. Yeah. Still, yeah. He, he actually came to my drug court graduation, okay. and our, we told our stories once at our church that we went to before, and he came to that, and yeah. He always hugs me when he sees me and tells me I'm a success story. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. And then so now, now, let's talk about now because this change and this hope, you're actually instilling that same hope in other people. Yeah. So five or six years after I graduated drug court, I went back to school and I got my license to be a chemical dependency counselor. So I did that and worked with other people struggling with addictions for about five or six years. And through that, I just saw so much of the trauma and childhood issues and you know mental health and stuff that leads people into that life. And I decided to go back to school, got my master's and became a therapist. And when I first started, I was, working at a place with adolescents and families. So I was trained in family therapy and it was really cool to be able to work with families and kids who were struggling with a lot of the same things I struggled with as a child. And then now I'm back to working with adults and um, I'm working for a company called A Mission for Michael and it's actually brand new coming to Washington. It's established in California and it's, we have residential homes, one in Paulsbo, one in Silverdale, and I'll be at the woman's house in Paulsbo and I'll be working with adults with, you know, past trauma and mental health, primary mental health with, but they can also have secondary substance use. So 
I'm able to work with both, and I, I love doing that. Did you ever imagine that God would take your story and turn it around and now use you to help people? No, I never, yeah. ever yeah. dreamed of that. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes I think about, like, if I would have thought back then, someday I'm going to be a family therapist. Yeah. <laughs> or, yeah. You know, no, yeah. I never thought that, ever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> never thought yeah. I would be able to do that. And because of God, I am. You, you know, are. it's God that has done this and used all the bad stuff in my life and, you know, the struggles and uses it for something good to help other people. Yeah. Yeah. And Barry, you're doing the same thing, really. Yeah. So for me, uh, I retired from the Navy and then I've been in car sales uh, for a long time. And then when COVID hit, I went back to school. I got my uh, stuff I needed for chemical dependency and I got my license. So on Wednesdays, I volunteer at Kitsap Recovery Center, the inpatient. And uh, I do groups for them. And uh, it's just amazing how many people are just looking for hope or looking for a direction yeah. and just an opportunity for me to share. Yeah. And uh, because I know it's there, they just got, you got to find it. Yeah, yeah. So, so last question, what does Jesus mean to you? Everything. Okay. Jesus has completely changed my life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And wait, we've been married 30 years now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so 30 years, yeah. So things got yeah. better for us. <laughs> so, oh, wow. Um, yep, well, for me, it's just, you know, I had to stop making decisions for myself and following my own direction and following God's plan yeah. for me. Wow. And uh, he's given me peace and he's given me joy. He's definitely given me grace. Yeah. And that's what I want to share with everybody. Oh, man. You know, I asked the Albies, would they be willing to, you know, talk to other people you, you, that, that may be here, maybe listening, and kind of help and guide them? I said, absolutely. So um, they'll be in the lobby afterwards. So if you want to connect with them, look, look for them, and they'd love to give you a talk. But let's give the Albies a hand, shall we, Albies? Thanks, Darcy. Thanks. Annalise. Annalise is someone else that you see, her and her husband Trent sitting right down here out in the lobby, and part of our hospitality team. And gosh, Anna, I've known you for a lot of years, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, because uh, you were born here. Oh, I moved up here when I was pretty young. Pretty young, yeah. okay. So you moved so up here. I've so I've lived up here since I was probably four years old, so yeah. it's been, been some years. Would you welcome <laughs> Annalise? Would you do that right now? Yeah, yeah. And uh, you and your family used to live kind of not far from, from where we live, so mm. yeah, knowing your dad for, for some time and your mom too, so yeah, well, thanks for coming. Thanks for being a, a, a part of our stories of God's grace, because you've experienced God's grace in your life, haven't you? Oh, yeah. Quite a, quite a bit of grace. <laughs> in amazing ways. Mm -hmm. In amazing ways. Yeah. Well, let, let's go back to kind of the first part of your story, your life growing up yeah. and so on. Well, I grew up in a Christian home. Um, my parents are, they're great. I love them. And uh, they really gave me a really good childhood. And, uh, but unfortunately, um, 
Let's see. Well, you know, being raised in this church, I had a good foundation. I accepted Jesus as my Savior. And, you know, God really meant a lot to me. You, you, had, you were raised in a Christian home. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um, but unfortunately, as I got older, um, just with outside influences, stuff that happened in my life, and uh, things just got very difficult and very dark. Um, I, I was very, uh, I'd say, by the time I got to middle school, I was very deeply depressed. I had pretty extreme social anxiety, so I didn't really have any friends, and um, just had started having a lot of stress-related health issues, you know, psychogenic seizures, and my outlook on life wasn't great. Wasn't you know, it was, it was pretty hard, but um, I'd say, you know, God got me through it, though, because I knew that, you know, if God created me for a purpose, you know, he's got something better for me in mind. And um, so, but uh, by the time I got to high school, I started questioning my sexuality and gender identity. Um, these were, you know, back then, I don't remember, you know, you didn't hear about it in school, you know, it's just a new concept for me. So I started uh, researching, doing my own online research, and I was very isolated, so I didn't really talk to anyone about it. And um, over time, I, I just really resonated with the stories I heard. You know, just realizing that, you know, I had this condition that I'd read about, gender dysphoria, and seeing the fact that other people could transition to, you know, appear as the opposite sex, I realized that was an option for me. I wanted to do it. So, but this was something you were struggling with internally, so it wasn't like known by a lot of people yet, was it? No, it wasn't. I'd never heard anyone like in school talk about it. Uh, maybe, I mean, the other kids, you know, but not, not, definitely not teachers, you know, never heard, didn't really hear about it on TV yet very much. Um, so it was, it felt like I had kind of discovered this underground thing. And, uh, but, you know, hearing people's stories of medical transition, it just looked like the best option for me because I was very, very deeply depressed, had a lot of self-loathing, and, you know, I just thought if I could look on, you know, if other people saw me as male, as the way I felt on the outside, inside, you know, if the inside matched the outside, you know, I felt like that would complete me. That would... So that would be... Uh, transitioning to a male would be your answer to how you were feeling dealing with depression and dealing with all this anxiety and these types of things so um, that that was um, that was the direction you began to head mm -hmm. yeah yeah so I came out I want to say my junior year of high school um, it was kind of a shock for my parents because you know I talked to them first but they didn't realize like you know, my mom worked at the school, and all of a sudden, someone asked her, oh, how do you feel about your daughter being Keith now? And she's like, what? How do you know about that? You know, yeah, yeah. it was <laughs> yeah. kind of, it was a shocking a thing shock, for yeah. all of us to have to go through. And um, 
But for me personally, it was like after going through this for so many years and it was like I was all of a sudden feeling the same thing as the people I read about, you know, it's like my depression seemed to go away, you know, not completely, but it started to go away. You know, I felt so much better about myself. All of a sudden I had friends because I was outgoing, you know, because I felt like I could finally be myself. You know, the psychogenic seizures went away. I stopped getting sick all the time. It's just all of these stress-related problems I had just went away, so it really seemed like the answer. At the same time, you know, there was always this lingering feeling like, okay, how do I know that God's okay with this? And I kind of rationalize it. Like, you know, God loves everyone. He loves transgender people. He wouldn't want transgender people to suffer, you know, so this must be right. But at the same time, there was nothing in the Bible where you could open up and say, say you know, if you feel like you're this gender, you, you just go for it, go for it. You know, there's nothing in the Bible that says that. So I was very, it was very challenging for me spiritually. And, um, but... That didn't, that didn't stop me. And uh, I continued to transition. I also continued to look into just other ideas. Um, I started questioning things spiritually, like um, how do I know Jesus is the only way to God? You know, I started looking into other religions and um, became more of a universalist in my kind of thinking about God. And um, so what was happening in your life then is this um, struggle with your sexuality and gender identity didn't draw you closer to God. You were kind of drifting away because now there are many roads to God. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it just kind of opened me up. Having that one area that I was confused about just opened me up to so much more confusion. And, you know, without these clear answers, I kind of tried to find them myself and fill in the gaps. And, uh, you know, in the meantime, a lot of things happened. Like, you know, I started physically transitioning. I te took testosterone. I had surgery. And, um, you know, all that seemed to be going really well. But at the same time, behind the scenes, I had just a lot of dark stuff going on in my life. Um, just a lot of stuff I don't have time to get into, unfortunately. But it was, you know, my life was really dark. And I just didn't let anybody know. And were you being affirmed by medical people and all this? And Oh, yeah. Every, every doctor I went to said, oh, the, whoever, everyone who transitions, they don't go back. They don't decide to go back. This is, you know, your way forward. If you think this is true for you, it's definitely true for you, and you need to do this, you know, because all the doctors said, you know, 50% of people, transgender people commit suicide if they don't transition. So this is your only way forward. So I trusted that, and I took more steps to move forward, you know, but um, it was it was just a dark life at times because, you know, every time I'd hit another landmark and just in my transmission, uh, transition, it's just like every time I'd kind of, okay, here we go, I'm going to take testosterone, this is great, all of a sudden people are thinking I'm a man, this is good, you know, it'd give this this temporary high, you know, and, but then as time goes on, I realized, oh, I need to take the next step because this isn't complete. And it started getting to the point where I was looking down the road into my options and realizing 
I'm never gonna be where I wanna be. You know, I can get as close as I can, but I, I'm never gonna fully become a man, you know, physically. And um, it was just a really hopeless way to live, you know, just putting so much effort into this, putting so much time into this, into, and ultimately I realized I was putting all this effort and time and everything into myself. And, you know, realizing that God calls all of us to self-denial. You know, even in these other religions I was researching, like, I had no way out of this trying to say, God, God wants me to love myself. God wants me to do everything for myself. You know, no religion teaches that. You know, maybe some, but not the one I held closest to my heart, not, not Jesus, you know. So I realized I had a serious problem. You know, every single moment of my life was spent for myself. And so, you know, God just started provoking all these questions in me, these philosophical questions, kind of realizing, made, making me realize, like, okay, all these different beliefs that I'm trying to hold on to, they're just not compatible with each other. I need to just, something needs to give, you know, is it, do I need to commit to one singular kind of mode of faith in God? Or do I need to give up God altogether? You know, and when that thought would cross my mind, I'd start praying, like, God, how do I deal with it if you're not real? You know, I'd, it's just like his presence never left me. Even when I questioned if it was really there, if wow. this was just a figment of my imagination, his presence just never left me. Wow. And so... Well, I remember one of the things that you shared with me is that on the outside, you felt good at a certain point in your transition, but on the inside, wasn't so good. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's like, you know, my transition, it was going pretty well, all things considered. And, you know, I, there was never a time where I didn't feel like I was supposed to be a man. But at the same time, spiritually, there was just something wrong. And I knew there was something wrong. And I've just it things just went on so long it finally got to the point where I realized I needed to change something needed to change I wasn't sure what and uh, I remember just uh, a story from the Gospels when Jesus heals a man with leprosy and the man comes up to him and says if you want to you can heal me he doesn't ask oh please heal me he says if you want to you can heal me and Jesus does and so I felt led to pray that prayer, even if I wasn't totally convinced what I was doing was wrong, but I knew God wanted me to submit that to him. And so I asked in prayer, Lord, if you want to, you can heal me. And within weeks, it's like things just started coming together, started realizing what I was doing, it was all for myself, and it wasn't, it wasn't good for my life, and it wasn't good for other people and God had other plans for me better plans you know at the time it didn't really feel like better plans but I realized you know even if I suffered the rest of my life with gender dysphoria it would be worth it to follow God you know if God's yeah, leading amazing. me in yeah. this direction I need to lay down my life I need to take up my cross I need to detransition so eventually I was led to quit taking testosterone and start living as a woman again and that was that was, I would, I want to say, like, just a months, months and months long, probably a six-month process, 
And, you know, I was very sick. I was, you know, I really struggled coming out to, it's easy for me to come out as a woman to, you know, Christians, but when it came to my, you know, the people I went to college with, it, it was very difficult for me. And um, it felt like just admitting that I was wrong. But, you know, I had to. You know, that's repentance. And um, so I just submitted my life to God and decided I would just let him rebuild who I am in every way, not just gender, but just totally change my heart, totally change everything about me. And so, you know, it's like before I might have had a superficial happiness, but I was feeling a deep despair. In that time of my life, I was really feeling a superficial despair. I might have looked miserable, but I had a deep joy. I knew the suffering was worth it. God was making me into something different, and he was recreating me, and that was just what was meant to be. And so he just took me down this road of just relearning who he was and relearning biblical truths, you know, submitting my all my ideas that I had kind of conjured up to him and just, you know, relearning what the, you know, the whole world around me, you know, who he is, who I am. It just, it was just a really eye-opening experience just to let all that light in. And I have to say, like, after all that happened, you know, for the past decade of my life, I had always dealt with suicidal thoughts in varying degrees, and ever since that, I haven't dealt with that again. Wow. And, you know, it's like I expected to feel this gender dysphoria the rest of my life, you know, just deep depression about, you know, being, being a woman, but, you know, within a matter of weeks, he healed that. You know, that was not something I could do myself. It takes God to do that. And it's just... It's just beautiful seeing just how God has worked in my life, how I see God working in other people's lives. And, you know, he gives us so much grace. You know, when I first realized truly that I was a sinner deserving of death and that he gave me the grace to just have a second chance at life and that he's given me so much. He's given me so many things I don't deserve. And, I'm just so so thankful and I I just want I just want everyone to have that freedom that they don't have to they don't have to create themselves they don't have to put all this effort into you know trying to construct their lives like I did it's like freedom comes in self-denial it comes in self-sacrifice it comes into sub submitting to God and, you know, he, he brings the blessings. He brings the truth. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Man. Well, at um, some point you talk to your mom and dad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I had to come clean about my you know, my second thoughts, um, you know, when I was still in it, but realizing that God had different plans for my life, maybe, I wasn't totally sure, I was still confused, but, um, you know, he led me to kind of, to the point where 
you know, I realize I have to tell them. I have to tell them the truth. I'm having second thoughts about that. This and, you know, they, I expected to hear, you know, I told you so, because they did tell me so. <laughs> and, uh, well, I'd, you put all, us through all this for nothing, because it was very, very hard on them. Um, so, you know, I called my mom up. She was out of state, and I was, you know, kind of just laying on my bed in my little apartment in Tacoma. And <laughs> I felt so alone. And I realized, like, this is something I need to do. This is something I need to do. And uh, so I called her up and just expecting to get that, you know, just why, why after all this time. But, you know, I didn't. You know, I just got grace and mercy. She said, okay, I'm coming to visit you. Uh, we can talk about this. And, you know, she was relieved, you know. And that's, that's the response we get from God, ultimately. You know, when, you know, no matter what the sin is, if we just go to God, you know, when I went to God, it was, when I repented, it was, I got forgiveness. You know, there's nothing complicated about it. It was just <laughs> there. <laughs> you know, he's paid it all. And that's what he wants us to do is just repent. And just the grace he gives us is it's not like anything else. Wow. I am um, so proud of you and Darcy and Barry and so grateful and so thankful that you guys are willing to come and share your story. You know, something that may, maybe not everybody would be comfortable doing, mm -hmm. but you did. And I asked um, the Albies and, and, and Elise, um, when we were talking beforehand, would you be willing to kind of talk with people? If there were people here who wanted to probe a little more and maybe you want prayer or help or guidance. And, mm -hmm. you know, you said absolutely. And Albie said abs absolutely. And to me, that's, that's what being in a community is, is, is all about, where we can help one another, mm -hmm. guide one another. And so, um, wow. And so you and Trent have been married how long? We've been married for almost two years now. So... Almost two years. Yep. Trent, stand up and just wave at everybody there, right there. Will you do that? <laughs> yeah, he was, you know, I met him. It's really funny. When I met him, he, he thought I was a 17-year-old boy. <laughs> so we, we, <laughs> we, we've been through a lot together, and he was my friend through it all, and he's you know, outside of my family, he was the first person I told that, you know, what I was, you know, what God was leading me to do. So it's, it's been good. It's been really good. I never, I never thought this would happen, you yeah, know, before, yeah. way back then. Never would have crossed my mind, but God, God just puts things together, and it's been, it's been so good. Oh, man. <laughs> Let's give Annalise a hand, shall we? Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Why don't you stay right here, okay? Oh, wow. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead us in prayer. But here's what we talked about beforehand as we were meeting. That we all deal with stuff, don't we? We all deal with junk. Um, whether it's an addiction or um, maybe we relate to your story, Annalise. It, it really doesn't matter. We all deal with stuff. But we all serve the same God who brings healing, 
who brings forgiveness. I love what you talked about, self-denial, right? Just laying ourselves down before him. And when we do, he comes in. And when we open up our heart like him, we experience his grace and we experience his mercy. And he puts us on a brand new pathway in life. Wow. So I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to just ask us to stand with I'm going to lead us in prayer. And here's what I'd like for us to do, whether you're online or you're here. Maybe there's an area of your life that you go, like, I just need to submit to you, God. Like, I'm struggling. And maybe it's a private struggle. Maybe no one knows. That was a little bit of your story there at the beginning. And maybe you were raised in a home like Darcy and uh, others, you know. Maybe that's your story. But God wants to step into your life just like he did in the stories that we have heard this morning. He's a God of grace, and he's a God of mercy, and he's a God of forgiveness, and he's a God of restoration. So I'd like to just invite us to close our eyes, and if that's where you are today, would you just reach out to him and maybe pray that same prayer that Annalise talked about, like, God, if you would heal me, if you would heal me, if you would touch me, if you would restore me, maybe it's a relationship that you're, that you're in, and you don't know how it's going to be restored, but God, maybe it's something physical, whatever it is, let's just reach out to him, shall we? So, Father, I thank you this morning for just the, the moments we've had just to hear of your goodness and your grace and your mercy. And God, we're reaching out to you today. We, we all have our stuff. We all have our junk that we bring to you. But you're God. Same yesterday, today, and forever what you did in Annalise's life and in all these lives, you, that's repeated over and over again as we open up our heart to you, as we submit our life to you. So Jesus, take what we have, I pray. And I would pray across this room and online, you would bring your healing and your touch in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen.